Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Children need correction. Children need boundaries. When a parent refuses to discipline a child, the child will come to take charge and take control. I've seen this in friends of ours who will remain nameless since this tape is going out on the internet. But I've seen this in friends of ours who the cute little four and five year old who's running around the house absolutely in charge and all of the focus is on that four and five-year-old suddenly becomes a 15 or 16-year-old that still demands all the focus and all the attention and all their way. Children are a blessing from God. Sometimes parents think that disciplining, correcting, and setting boundaries will somehow be detrimental to their child. Today, Pastor David uses the life of Samson to show us that the opposite is true. Samson ruled the roost, and when he became an adult, his demands became more and more destructive. Yet still, his parents obliged. The Bible tells us that children need to be trained up in the ways they should go. It is up to you as a parent to guide them just as Christ guides you. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message from the book of Judges chapter 13, entitled, Samson. There's no honoring of the parents. There's no receiving of the advice of the parents. There's no obedience to it. And out of that, I just want to let you know, you can favor your children too much. If you're fearful to bring correction on your children because you're afraid that they will not accept you, you are doing the utmost damage to that child. Children need correction. Children need boundaries. When a parent refuses to discipline a child, the child will come to take charge and take control. I've seen this in friends of ours who will remain nameless since this tape is going out on the internet. But I've seen this in friends of ours who the cute little four and five year old who's running around the house absolutely in charge, and all of the focus is on that four- and five-year-old, suddenly becomes a 15- or 16-year-old that still demands all the focus and all the attention and all their way. A loving father disciplines the children. A child in charge of a family will always bring destruction. All you have to do is also look in the life of David, King David's family was a mess. And when you read about the fact that he never corrected Absalom, and that's the way Absalom grew up. Absalom wanted what he wanted. He went to take what he wanted. And he didn't care. He didn't honor his his father at all. And here we have Samson. Even though he is a recipient of God's blessings in his life, he failed not only to honor his parents, but he also failed to honor God in his life. And gang, if a child doesn't honor a parent, you've you got to understand he'll never honor God in his life. 
because they are standing against authority. They're standing against the responsibility and the submission that they need to have toward it. And that is the battle that we see so many of our families going through. I believe our whole church needs to hear this very thing. Half of the problems that Pastor James had in in ministering to the youth and half of the problems that Alex has in ministering to the youth is because, again, homes need to be in order, in order. And when we see things like Samson, could God have used Samson in a greater way? Yeah, and I'm not going to blame everything on the parents. I already told you that. But there are some situations I see there that, man, it just blaringly comes out. It appears that every decision made by Samson was a decision that was made in the flesh. It wasn't like, Mom and Dad, here's my situation. You're like a whole lot older than me. What do you think about it? Would you help me pray on this? Would you help me seek the Lord's direction? No, Samson had vision that was about this far. He saw what was immediate, what was right there. His anger that we see not only here in chapter 14, but also in a moment in chapter 15. His anger was always of a personal anger. There was no indication of being zealous of the things of God in his life. It's because the way you treated me, and now I'm going to use this blessing that the Lord gave me, the great strength that I have, the great abilities that I have, and I'm going to act and move in response to that. In chapter 15, we see this further evidence of all of these things. A man is driven by his own passion, his own pride, because of the rashness of his actions, his new wife and her family, they, be, they get punished because of it. Now, after this whole deal of them uh, plowing with his heifer and all, uh, uh, Samson gets upset and leaves. He decides in chapter 15, I'm going to go back to my wife. Turns out what had happened is the father said, well, I thought you were mad, so I gave your wife to your best man, who Samson didn't even know, by the way. He was another Philistine. So the father gave his wife to the Philistine. So Samson got really mad at that point in time. He grabs these foxes, ties their tails together, lights their tails on fire. They go running through the fields, through all of the harvest that they have, burning down all of this harvest. And so what do these great friends of the bride do? They then go to the friends of the bride, and it says in verse, um, the last part of verse 6, says the Philistines came up and they burned her house and her father, or burned her and her father with fire. They incinerated them. Samson said to them, since you would do a little a thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you, and after that I will cease. And so he attacked them with a great slaughter. Then he went down and dwelt in the cleft of the rock of Etham, and the Philistines went to go and find him, and they went to the people there. And down in verse 11, 3,000 men of Judah came down to Samson, and they said, look, the Philistines are coming after us because they're after you. And so he asked them, he says, uh, um, verse 12, or they said to him, we've come down to arrest you that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, well, swear to me that you'll not kill me yourselves. And they said, sure, we won't do that. We're just going to turn you into the Philistines. 
And so they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. And when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. And then again, verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax burned with fire. His bonds broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand, took it, and killed a thousand men with it. And Samson, you know, said again, jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with a jawbone of a donkey, I've slain a thousand men. So it was, when he finished, he went on away. He became very thirsty. The Lord split a rock, gave him water. Over in uh, the last verse, verse 20 of chapter 15, and he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. So we look and we see there's like this 20-year time frame He's done all this slaying, all this slaughter of the Philistines. And now for 20 years, he sits, in essence, as, as judge over Israel. Now, again, what does it mean to be a judge over Israel? It's, it's not that he was, you know, like the Supreme Court judge. Uh, he, he took care of problems within the land, and they would come to him for, again, direction or, or leading in, in different instances. So for 20 years, he sat that way. Again, it's kind of hard to, for us to be able to somehow, in the mix of all of Samson's fleshly acts, to understand that God was still in control. The unfortunate reality is that on this side of glory, we probably won't understand all these things. We won't understand why others suffered because of his disobedience on this side of glory, and yet God still used him. And I'm not going to offer you some flippant response of how to deal with that, because every one of us are going to come into situations in our life that God allows something or purposefully does something that just makes absolutely no sense to us. But beloved, as long as we're looking microscopically, we'll never understand. We've got to look telescopically. We've got to understand that God is in control and that there is a greater reason, a greater purpose that we will never understand this side of glory. In chapter 16, we see this revival of the old Samson again. We see this revival of his fleshly desires when, again, his heart goes pitter-pitter-patter for uh, Delilah now. And he goes and decides that, you know, I'm, you know she is the one that I, I need to have in my life now. And down in uh, verse 4 of chapter 16, it says, happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength is and what, what, by what means he may empower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. But Delilah loved Samson and decided the 1,100 pieces of silver was not... No, that's not the story, is it? It's like... 1,100 pieces of silver? Sure, I'll turn him in. Not a problem. Verse 6, Delilah says to Samson, Tell me where your great strength is and where you may be bound to afflict you. Now, you would think the guy would have a clue. You would think that maybe, just maybe, he might have a little bit of a warning there. But let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's in love, okay? 
So toying with her, Samson said in verse 7, If you bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak. I'll be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried. She bound him with them. Now can you imagine him saying, oh sure, go ahead, tie me up. Bound him with them. Now the men were lying in wait, staying with her in the, they were staying with her in the room. And she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Okay, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. You've asked me this thing, and I see there's something going on. No. The guy is still, like, overwhelmed. And don't be confused. It really isn't love at this point in time. It is lust. It is just he sees a beautiful woman, and he is willing, literally, to lay his life down, not in a sacrificial way, but it's just that it just doesn't matter. I'm just, man, I'm overwhelmed by this. With all the warning signs, everything that's there. But Samson, though he could see, he did not have vision to understand what was going on in his life. So again, she asked him, well, no, come on, now you're teasing me. You've mocked me. You told me lies, verse 10 says. How can you be bound? He says, new ropes that have never been used. I'm going to become weak just like any other man. She got new ropes. Tied him up again. The Philistines are upon you, Samson. The men were lying in wait, staying in the room, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. Verse 13, Delilah said to him, Until now, you've mocked me. you told me lies. Tell me now how you can be bound. Okay, now this is the third time. He says, If you weave seven locks of my head, getting a little bit closer here, isn't he? Seven locks of my head unto the web of a loom. So she wove it tightly, says, with the batten of the loom, and said to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep, pulled out the batten and the web of the loom. Then in verse 15, she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me these three times, have not told me where your great strength lies. It came to pass, and I love what it says here, came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that, catch this, so that his soul was vexed to death that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I'm shaven, then my strength will leave me. And I shall be weak and be like any other man. I shall be weak and be like any other man. There's a lot of speculation on this, and I even wonder myself. If somehow in the middle of the night, while Samson was not aware of this, someone came in and cut his hair without going through all of what's gone on here, if just sometime in Samson's life he was asleep and somebody came in and cut his hair, would that really have destroyed his strength? Or did Samson put this thing to the test, put it 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 to the test, until finally, when his hair was cut, he was like any other man. Literally, the anointing of the Lord came off of him. 
personally, I kind of think that way. It's not a hill I would die on, but I kind of think that way, that his strength wasn't really in his hair, but his strength was the anointing of God in his life. And Samson had just pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. You know the story? Samson said, if you cut my hair, I'll be like any other man. And so he fell asleep in Delilah's lap, and while he was sleeping, she cut his hair off. And then she declared, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And one of the saddest words, I believe, in all of Scripture is found in verse 20. He says, I'll go out as before at other times. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. I can keep living my life. I can keep acting the same way that I'm acting. I can keep making the same choices I've been making. And you know what? I haven't been burned by the fire yet. I, 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 I haven't been slapped by God yet. I can keep doing the things that I'm doing. But I've still got the Lord's blessing in my life. And I can keep going this way. And keep going this way. And he went out. He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. From that Philistine woman in Timnah that he demanded that his parents get for him, to Delilah here in chapter 16, Samson was controlled by the eyes of his flesh. He wasn't led by the Spirit of the Lord. He had no vision beyond his immediate desires, beyond his immediate passions. And because of this, his connection, his relationship with the Lord was at best severely lacking and at worst pretty much non-existent. There's nothing that we see here until just a moment here we'll look at it. There's nothing we see here that Samson had any kind of relationship really with the Lord, but yet the Lord was anointing him. The Lord was using him powerfully. He didn't see how the actions of his present life would impact his future. And I don't believe that a man or a woman can be more blind than that. So we find out that once the Philistines had control of him, they came in, he thought that he was a strong, he didn't know that the Lord had departed from him. The Philistines took him and put out his eyes, verse 21. They put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza, bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. He became, in essence, an ox on a mill wheel. The word there for put out his eyes was nagar. Nagar means to dig, to pick, to pluck out, to bore them out. He had no eyes. He used to be able to see with no vision. Now he can't see and he still doesn't have a vision at this point in time. It says he became a laughing stock of the enemy because here at this big festival, here as we end up chapter 16, they, they brought him out to perform for them. Now, we don't know exactly what he was performing for them. Perhaps they just had him out there as a blind man and throwing things at him and laughing at him. We don't, we don't know. To perform. He became the laughing stock of the enemy. And you know what? That's exactly where lives end up. 
were led by their own fleshly desires. They are laughing stocks for the enemy. Because the enemy says, I've got you right where I've always wanted you. He was a prisoner in chains now. But long before that, he was a prisoner of his own desires and of his own passions. He was made weak in the flesh now. But long before that, he was weak in the Lord. He was physically blind now. But the fact is, Samson never did have vision. The story ends, so it happens. While their hearts were merry, as they called Samson, they, they called for Samson that he may perform. This is verse 25. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. And Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All of the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Verse 28, And then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. Stop with me here for a moment. Flip back to chapter um, well, 13, the end of chapter 13, verse 40, 24. She bore a child, called his name Samson. The child grew. The Lord blessed him. The Spirit of the Lord began to move on him. Glance through chapter 14, if you would. Glance through chapter 15, if you would. Glance through chapter 16. How many times do we see Samson calling on the Lord? None. None at all. This is a guy that was controlled by his own flesh. And took the blessing of the Lord for granted. And now, at the very end of his life, he comes, Lord, bless me one more time. That I might bring honor to you? Is that what he asked? No. That I might take vengeance on my own eyes. What a sad, sad, sad declaration this is of a man. The Lord allowed him to do that. And he got himself positioned between a couple of pillars and he, the Lord gave him the strength to be able to push them with all of his might. And it tells us there in, in verse 30 that as he pushed them, the temple fell on all the lords and the people were with him. So the dead that he killed at his death was more than he had killed in his life. His brothers and his fathers and his father's household came down and took him, brought him up and he buried him near where the tomb of his father was. A sad thing. And beloved, the impact of Christianity in the world today, I personally believe, is because Christianity today is filled with Samsons. People that God desires to use in a mighty way, but they have no vision for things eternal. Their vision is what's in it for me. 
Pastor David has been introducing us to biblical characters through this series, some who knew Jesus, some who only knew the prophecies, but all who were led by their Creator. They weren't perfect, as we see again and again, but that didn't disqualify them. Mistakes don't disqualify you either. God can and wants to use you today to do something incredible for the kingdom. Are you ready to step out in faith? We'd love to be praying for you as you do. So give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We are so glad you tuned in today to Pastor David's teaching on the open word, and we pray you've been encouraged. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Pastor David's here to tell you how. Hey, thanks, Chris. All the messages you enjoyed here on The Open Word are available on our website. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings. You can scroll through our archive and listen online, or you can download the teachings to take with you on the go. I've even provided my notes for most of the teachings so you can read right along. You might see something new your ears may have missed. Feel free to share any of my teachings if you feel it would benefit a friend or a family member. That website, one more time, is theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you in person, too. If you're in the area, come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find all the information you need at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Join us next time for another edition of The Open Word.